Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Yorker, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We are fresh off game five. What a crazy win. I wasn't there. I watched the entire game from a friend's couch, but I'm just going to send it over to my co-host and my good friend, Cody Frankel, who just got back to his apartment from game five. Cody, just give me everything. That's the difference right there, man. Dude, I blacked out. Honestly, I've been to a lot of games in my life. Number one, that was the best fucking game I've ever been to. Number two, there's no fucking quit in this team. So whoever says there is can go shove it. And number three, one game at a time mentality, baby. Believe, believe, believe. We're going to Pittsburgh. We're coming in hot. Igor is going to be on his shit. He played great tonight outside of that one soft goal. And honestly, these boys are fucking buzzing. Honestly, it was it was a wild night, I'm sure, in the building. It was just as wild on Rangers Twitter, which we always talk about. It like literally everyone from the first period into like the late second period was like, the season's over, no heart, nothing. They quit, all this fucking negative shit. And then yep. all of a sudden things change. And I'm I'm just gonna, you know, let you kind of lead into it. Yeah. And also there was this guy sitting in front of me at the game in a Crosby jersey, and he was wearing a coronavirus veteran hat, like a freaking loser. First of all, that disrespectful as hell to veterans. And number two, uh, I tweeted it, and a bunch of Hardo Penguins fans are trying to come at me. You guys are a bunch of Hardo losers, okay? And your city smells. We're coming to take over your town, and we're going to fucking dominate you. So, honestly, like, I'm going to take you through my – emotion of that game and I'm sitting there after that Latangle and Igor almost had it too like that was honestly almost an incredible save by Igor but I just went like you know face and palms I'm like I can't believe this is how they're gonna go out like that was where I really felt like this is it like I you know I, I've the, tried to the be the second goal you're saying the second goal yeah the Latangle yeah it, was, it yeah, I'll talk about that in a second because we had nothing going and I you know me like I try to stay as positive as possible about this team but like that second goal, I, I don't really know what changed in the game. I, I mean, obviously, it's Foxy's goal, right? That sets the tone. But but before that, man, like everything just seemed like it was just dead. So here's the thing. The first period, I thought they played fine. I mean, I, I witnessed it firsthand. I had great seats. I saw the, the entire thing, and I thought they played fine. I thought they were playing physical, and they were getting back to that, you know, heavy on the forecheck that we stress really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they just the one goal was very unlucky. It hit Igor's pad and went in. It was like very unlucky. It was a high IQ play by Gensel and it went in, but I I thought that they played a really solid first period. And you know, do you hear my dog? He's just going, Oh really? Well, for those of you listening, my dog Leo is just very excited. He's (laughs) He's hyped. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I thought they played a really good first period. They just couldn't get a puck in the net. And you know, we got unlucky there, but then they came out in that second. And, you know, obviously when the, the second, you know, the, the crowd was still buzzing until that second goal went in. Yeah. And then it kind of died down a little because 
then we were all like, all right, shit, we, we actually are in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I get into the Fox goal and, and really lose my mind, I'll, I'll let you uh, speak on it. Yeah, I, I actually said to my to my parents, I was watching the game with my dad and a couple of friends and family friends. And I said to my dad after they killed the five on three in the first two minutes, I was like, this is what's going to change the series. Because if the Penguins didn't score on a two minute five on three to start that game, even though that wasn't the turning point, obviously. That was fucking it, insane, bro. Yeah, that, that was not the turning three, point. That five on three was ridiculous you can't that, start a game worse than that you literally dude, can't 24 seconds into the game uh-huh. a five on three right when that happened every single person in my section just looked at one another and just like gave a sigh of fuck us like, and let's be was, clear too like the refing once again not great this horrible. time it just worked in our favor three, but but Dude, they missed three Rangers calls. They yeah. missed a whole. They missed a brutal holding call on Truba that uh-huh. was like so blatant. They missed a tripping call. Yep. And then I forgot what the third one was, but they were all right in front of a ref, yeah. and they just looked the other way. And I yeah. was like, "What are you guys doing?" But then finally, towards the end, you know, they gave us that penalty, and it, it fucking changed everything. But Strom, um, yeah. I mean, that was just dumb. He's he's got to control his emotions. Like that was just pure. I, I don't care what uh, I. I I, th- I think it was McGinn that was like rustling with him a little bit, but like yeah. Strom's got to just contain himself there. He can't, he can't be doing that. He was trying to like choke Brock McGinn. I don't know if it was McGinn. So I'm not going to say Dude, there was yet. a lot of, there was yeah. a lot of tussling and Foxy um, was getting into it dude, too, Mal- man. Malkin sat on, I thought, Lingren. I thought Lingren was going to be done for the game. Yeah. Malkin sat on his face and just Malkin. started <laughs> fucking just might've farted on him. I don't know. Yeah. Like, Malkin was rattled, man. That's what they needed to do. They need to get under his skin. Like he, he dude. was showing it. He He was rattled tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I said this to you from the start and I will continue to say this like Gensel is the problem. He's the guy you need to find a way to lock him down. Dude, he has fucking seven goals or six goals. One of them, but he's seven, seven goals. He has seven goals like in, in five games. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to figure out a way to contain that guy, but also let's go to my boy Foxy right now because your boy, the crowd was your boy, my boy, my boy from Jericho. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you don't act like you know him. But anyways, so it was getting real quiet and real quiet. And I saw Foxy lining up, you know, on the point. I was like, oh, my God, this is about to happen. And then kicked it out and beautiful shot. And that changed. I mean, the crowd just absolutely erupted. And then, you know, the next goal, I blacked out. For those, I don't, I can't even tell you how long there was in between those three goals. It was four I goals just, total in three minutes. Yeah. Under three minutes. Dude, it, it, you could have told me it was 20 minutes. I like it just, my mind went after the second goal went in, it was like everybody jumped up and lost their absolute minds. Everybody was hugging each other. And then the third goal went in and like, I, I think I think my entire row was going to pass out. There was one guy who was trying to talk to me. He was so drunk, he couldn't even speak. He was like, every time I looked at him, he was chugging a beer. It was the, bro, he was like walking. He was walking back and forth and like waddling, like back and forth. And there were three kids next to me. And then him, like it was three little kids, their their mom. And then this guy who was by, got tickets by himself was just hammered out of his zoo. Bro, he was walking down the steps and had to like hold each, each like railing and would bring his eyes to the railing to see what what row number it was so he was like is this 11 he's like oh 11 (laughs) 11. and then he would waddle back at dude it was just that guy was something else but at one point he just stopped and looked at me and goes they're not gonna win this and i'm like the the penguins yeah what he was wearing a yellow hat so i was confused Uh and he was like they're not gonna win this and i was like the penguins he's like no i'm a diehard 
diehard Rangers. We don't talk about Penguins fans. I was like, <laughs> all, right, all right, bro, you do you. Go get another drink. He's like, all right, all right. It was it was some weird stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, I like I honestly I had people texting me throughout the game like they suck. They're done. Like this is honestly the comparison. I never for, gave up, bro. No, but the comparison that which like made sense in the first like first 25 minutes of the game, maybe 30 minutes of the game. It looked like a JV team against a varsity team. Like that's kind of what it looked like, you know, like I can't even take you seriously, but <laughs> it, 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 it just, it just looked like a, you know, a JV against the varsity. No, and then, yeah. And like, and quote yeah. unquote, Johnny texted me saying, this is JV versus varsity. And I yeah. said, true, we're varsity. Just so, just so you <laughs> guys know who never gives up. That's um, no, that is a lie, but yeah, dude, you're right. I mean, listen, they, they looked, you know, they started out in the second, that goal happened. It sucked the life out of them a little bit. And they were playing a little sluggish. And Fox had that goal. And it changed. at um, The second he scored that goal from that point on, an immediate pep in their step showed up. And it was like brute force, put no, like steamrolling. It was, it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And what did you think about Truba's hit on Crosby? Like I didn't he, even really notice it at first, honestly. It didn't he, look bad, he, like just watching on TV. But then I no, saw it's like an open eye hit. He crushed him. Nah, but dude, his elbow hits Crosby right in the face. Like I, I honestly, I, I do think that hit uh-huh. will get reviewed. I don't think like Truba maliciously meant to do that. He's Obviously, he's suspended for that. No, I, I don't think he'll get suspended. But I could see there being a conversation about it. And like a fine, not a fine. You think I he just, did it purposely? Though? I just think they're going to review it. it I mean, Truba, Truba is a physical player. I don't think yeah. he did it purposely. But, you know, you do see a little chicken wing elbow hit Crosby in the face there. So, like, listen, I as bad as I want to beat the Penguins, I really want to beat them with Crosby. So I don't want Crosby to be hurt. Like, that's uh-huh. just me as a as a hockey fan. And honestly, uh-huh. just as a human being, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. But, like, I, I, I mean, I have to imagine without Crosby, they're they're doomed. They're they're in some trouble. Like, we need to. We need to figure out a way to just keep that pressure, especially in Pittsburgh, because you know it's going to be loud. Um, it was thundering in the yeah. garden tonight. Like, it, it, I can tell you off the bat, it was louder than game one and two. Like, it was absolutely thundering. And, you know, we need to bring that kind of intensity always. And I'm sure if we get to game seven, it's oh, going yeah. to be nuts. And I can't wait for that. Um, but I did want to ask, like, who do you uh-huh. think was the three stars of the game from your standpoint uh, for the Rangers? Honestly, I think the the key and the X factor that we didn't even mention before this series started, mm-hmm. just take take one guess at who I'm going to say. If you say Philip Pito, I might. No, 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 Patrick Nemeth. Not be, not <laughs> yes, Patrick <laughs> Patrick Nemeth not is, playing tonight was the difference. Y factor, dude. Just not <laughs> being in there. But I think I mean I think it's obvious that Ryan Lindgren just like is a total fucking warrior. Um, he is. He is literally. Who would have thought? Like. Don't get me wrong. I love. We would have thought. We could have thought. No, no, no. But he, <laughs> hear me out. I love Lingren, but this guy is like he's the defensive captain. Like he's the catalyst. Like I never would have. You know, I always think you like you always say the defense runs through Foxy. You've said it many, many times. Lingren is literally the defensive captain. I mean, they looked lifeless with with him in that roster. It like up the physicality. It upped, you know, the tightness in how they were playing uh, in in our defensive zone and just mm-hmm. all around. I mean, they weren't letting guys just sit in front of the net. Like, Jeff Carter, all game, was just trying to stand in front of the net, and all game he was getting bodied out. You did not see that the first four games. So it's it's so interesting, and, you know, that's a great point. So, all right, so he's your number one star? He's my number one star. I thought okay. he was just the biggest, like, difference maker in that entire game. Okay. 
uh, the, my number two star, I mean, I think we've both been saying it for a while. Like, I, I, I want to put Lafreniere there first. I, I think just yeah. because he had that huge goal. And uh, I'm pretty sure he had an assist on Hito's goal, correct? Dude, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe on Fox. No, I want to. St- or Trubas. He had, I know he had a goal and an assist. He, he had two points. I just don't know which goal it was. Um, okay. So we, ha- we, we have clarified that he had a goal and assist, but yes. just, just his whole presence. And, and I love Lafreniere. I've been on him all year. I've been saying I love Lafreniere. And, and I know people gave him a hard time, but that's something Dude, you can back me on. I've been saying it all season long. I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, to me, he's the prettiest skater in the league. He is. He's, so, it's obvious. It's so obvious. Yeah. I mean, but you the know. kid is just, a, he's just an upbeat, like, he's just a vibe. Like, I tweeted that out tonight, like the gif of his celly. Like, he is literally just a vibe. Like, he is my second star. And then, honestly, like, as bad as I want to say, Hedl and Kako, like, that line is, is literally been the spark. Kako plug for needs the to shoot, man. Yeah. He, he needs does. to shoot. He needs he to take, he, dude, he looked really good and he actually, Looked like he was skating pretty fast tonight. And I personally think he's a slow skater. So he looked he looked like he was buzzing tonight. And I would love to just see him shoot the puck more. I mean, he has a nice shot. Mm-hmm. And he did, I, I think he did have like maybe two shots tonight or something like that. But I would just love to see him shoot the puck more instead of, uh, you know. Well, speaking of Kako not shooting, we do talk about that with our guest today. And we're so bad at mentioning mm-hmm. who our guest is. But today we have on Arthur Staple, who is a senior writer at The Athletic. He's unbelievable, so knowledgeable, and an amazing interview. We did Such record a fun it. Interview. We recorded it before Game 5, so we have like a little time capsule where we talk about if the Rangers lost and then if the Rangers won. So it's kind of like a fun back and forth. But on that note, my third star, and this is kind of like under the radar because he didn't really put up any points or like maybe produce a lot of offense. But Kevin Rooney, I thought, was just like, all over the ice defensively. I thought he shut down. Uh, he did a great job staying on Malkin all night. You could sense Malkin's frustration with Kevin Rooney toward the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just, that. that's like a quiet guy who made a huge difference, I thought, in tonight's game. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. I honestly, I was so focused on just like the atmosphere. I didn't even notice Rooney. I did notice Reeves though. Reeves, yeah. Reeves made himself known tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked your three stars. Confirming Lafreniere did have that assist on the Heedle, uh, Heedle goal. So there's that for me. I, we're gonna Igor, have little, too, you could say. Igor was great. Dude, he was great. Um, we're going to have a little uh, duplicity here, but I'm actually, for my first star, I'm going to go Jacob Truba. I thought yeah, he, he had great. an unbelievable game. He had a goal. He had an assist. He was all over the ice. He also hurt Crosby, which might, might save our season. We don't know. We don't know. Um, I'm going to check that again on Twitter yeah. right now. Yeah, but uh, so he'd be my first star. I think second star would be Lafreniere. I mean, how can you not? He, the guy was everywhere. Uh, and third star, I want to say Lingren. I do because he's such an important part of this team, as you, as you know. But I, I think I'm going to go with Igor, man. Like, yeah. he could have came into this game incredibly rattled and just, you know, shit the bed again and got ran out and it wouldn't have been a good look. And, you know, when we were down 2 nothing he made some really good saves till that point. And the first goal was unlucky. And the second one, like he's just got, you know, you saw my face. <laughs> oh, sorry. So I'm just reading Taylor Haas, who is a, I don't know if I pronounced her last name, right, but she's a Penguins reporter. She tweeted, just saw Crosby walking down the ramp out the building. Nothing, nothing visibly wrong with him. And then like, she replies to her own tweet saying, Sullivan clarified. It's an upper body injury that Crosby's being evaluated for. So I'm sure if if it's not a concussion, he's going to play. Game yeah, six. I, I uh, but honestly, that's something too. like 
as much as I hate Sidney Crosby, like he's had so many concussions, man. Like, th- like if he gets another one, like I, I think that could, like, I don't know how much longer he can play. He's gotten yeah. so many concussions. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but dude, back to Igor. I mean, he could have been, I, I just can't get over it because he showed, he showed some very, very big resilience tonight. And it's not an easy thing to do for a guy who doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. Mm-hmm. And I know he's winning the Vesna, and, you know, you expect him to be this above and beyond goaltender, but it's hard when you're down three to one coming into any type of game elimination game, let alone, you know, on home ice and so on. Like that's not an easy thing to do. No. And he did let in, you know, the third goal was, was a goal he should have saved for sure. Yeah. Nobody's arguing that, mm-hmm. but you know, the first two goals, I, I don't know. They were no they problem. Were, with it. Yeah. No problem with either of them. And I thought he made some incredible saves tonight. And especially in the last three minutes of the game, I, he was everywhere. I mean, yeah. he was everywhere. And just, you know, the one thing for Igor, I think he just needs to be, he's such a good puck handler, but he needs to be like smarter in, in certain situations. I think he like think he knows how good of a puck handler he is when the puck comes to the, you know, to our zone that he like goes out and just whatever. And that's why they scored the third goal. Cause he was careless and things like that. I actually noticed that about Deming. Every time the Rangers wrap the boards or wrap the puck around the boards, when they're like trying to dump and chase Deming comes out and stops it every single time. Like yeah. if I'm, if I'm the Rangers, I'm like, I'm trying to fake the dump and maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think about that all the time. And, yeah. and even Hank used to do that sometimes. And I would always be like, Stay in the I, fucking net. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But well, that's what Islander fans would always scream because DiPietro always came out of the net. And yeah. every Islander fan would be like, stay in your fucking net, Ricky. <laughs> I mean, I have no problem with Igor yeah. coming out of the net, but, you know, because he's such a good puck handler, but, like, he needs to be more cautious in uh, when, when he's playing against quicker teams, like the Penguins. Like, you need to be cautious of that. Like, that's that's when they they get turnovers and, and steals and things like that because, you know, they're they're such a fast team. So, like... You got to be cautious of those type of things for sure. So let me ask you this. Obviously, it felt like there was a, a shift in momentum in that game after that game. There was a lot of pressure and probably all the pressure in the world on the Rangers in game five. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Rangers still have the pressure going into game six? Or is it all on Pittsburgh? Because if Pittsburgh doesn't win game six, it's coming back to MSG for game seven. Like, I, you got to imagine that all the pressure is on Pittsburgh. It's a great question. Um, hmm. It is a great question. I, Honestly, I think it's on both teams. I think it's on the Rangers because they've gotten blown out twice in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So you know how loud they're going to be. And I think, you know, those Igor chants, like the mocking chants, that's yeah. going to start in the first 10 seconds of the game. Bro, if I'm GG, I am playing the Penguins crowd noise in morning skate, like just screaming Igor the whole yeah. time. Like get him used to the environment. I don't yeah. Care. Yeah. They got to do something there. Um, I think he's going to be locked the fuck in. Yeah. I think he is going to be locked in. And he's mad, and I think nothing would make him happier now than like, all right, yeah, you beat me twice. I'm gonna stick it to you, and we're gonna send you home mm-hmm. in after Game Seven. So I, I think it's, I think it's definitely on us, but I also think it, it's got to be on Pittsburgh because they're like, all right, we've seen this story and dance before. Let's not let this happen again. What can we do to stop it here? And that's what everyone says, man. The hardest game to win in the playoffs is that final clinching game to get your fourth win in the series. Like no matter what it is, you know, yeah. you saw it honestly with the Colorado Avalanche. Like Nashville played a great game. Dude, in game how four. about yeah? No, I completely agree. I mean, I saw that 
with my other favorite team, the Yankees, in 2017 against the Astros. We were up three to two, one game away from the World Series, and we lost two straight. So it's it's and then we got sent home. So, you know, it's really tough uh, to to clinch that and close things out, especially when you're playing a you're playing a team that's hungry now. I think the Rangers didn't have that fire the last two games and they just found it back and they're they're scorching right now. Like they're ready to go. So it, it's going to be you know, it's going to be really interesting. And I'm, I'm very excited. I'm just hoping they have the day off tomorrow because, like, obviously there was a lot of drama around Gerard Gallant backskating mm-hmm. them yesterday or as you're listening to this on, on, uh, work. <laughs> on Tuesday. No, dude, they had no legs in the first two periods for the most part till the, that last stretch. They had no legs, dude. They looked so slow, a step behind the Penguins to every puck. They, they did not look hungry or just, like, ready to go. I, I, that's what I thought, at least. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought they had legs. Uh, you know, I, I mean... You just said I, you I were blackout, so I don't trust your opinion. I, you're right. You're right. I was definitely blacked <laughs> out. But but I will say the one thing I did notice is I didn't think Pittsburgh was much faster than them. Like okay. the first the first three games, four games. Yeah. I was like, wow, this team is looking faster than us in all aspects outside of the very first period of of the playoffs. I thought uh-huh. we just dominated them in in that r- regard. But like, I did not think they had you know that extra two steps on us tonight in yeah. any period. Um, there was times where we were looking a little sluggish, like maybe in stretches of the first and the beginning of the second, but I didn't think that that wasn't something that I was too overly concerned with, but yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, there's a few things to consider here, right? Like going into game six. All right. Clearly Nemeth's got to be, you know, he's, he's on the sidelines again. No, no brainer. Mm -hmm. But then like, are you, are you now keeping everything the same with the lines? Like after you get a win or. I don't want to talk about it now because we're going to talk about game six after the interview with Arthur. Ooh, teaser. So okay. I think we should send it over to Arthur now and then stick around because after the interview with Arthur Staple, we're going to preview game six. So hope you guys enjoy this interview with Arthur Staple, the senior writer for The Athletic. This week, we're very happy to welcome on as our special guest and a new friend of the show, a guy who covers the Rangers and the Islanders for a very long time for The Athletic. He's also the host of the show, The Garden Faithful. We're super pumped that he's here. He's back from Pittsburgh in New York. Welcome to the show, the legendary Arthur Staple. What's going on? How you doing, guys? Good to be here. What's up? So (laughs) I do want to ask you right off the bat a time capsule question, because like I told you before the recording, we're dropping this Thursday morning after game five. So I'm asking you a two-parter. So I want you to answer in both ways. One, what is the strategy going into game six, assuming the Rangers won game five? And two, is the season a complete failure with a loss in game five? Uh, I'll start with the second one. Complete failure is pretty tough. You know, this is a 110-point season. You know, the expectations were definitely not for a season like they had. So, you know, you can you can separate out, uh, you know, if we're talking post-mortem right now and things are over. Uh, it's a horrible way to end mm-hmm. uh, what had been a really great season, even if it was a total surprise. And obviously, Igor Shosturkin has established himself uh, as – one of the best goalies in the league this year, he's going to get the award for sure for the best goalie in the league. He's going to be on some heart trophy ballots, including my own. And, you know, I think the emergence of some of their younger guys like Keandre Miller uh, has taken some big steps forward. And I think even in the midst of what hasn't been a terrific playoff series, obviously you've seen flashes from Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco that these are, you know, now you're starting to see why these guys were top two picks 
they really kind of stepped up their game. It seems at, at the right time. It's unfortunate that a lot of their teammates have not done the same, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I think some of the advancement of the young guys and some of the big numbers that some of their established guys put up during the regular season, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, uh, these are all positive developments. You can't take that one bad playoff series. Can't take that away. So I feel like it's not a complete failure. It's, it's a bit of a head scratcher, you know, uh, going into a game six, um, you know, they obviously need to be a lot better in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's the, that's, it's been a long time since I've seen a team look that rattled uh, being in another team's building in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is the word to use to describe it. They all looked pretty shell shocked in the first period in game three, even though they rallied back uh, and the rest of that game was pretty evenly played. And then in game four in the second period was just, it was, uh, it was quite shocking. And I'm sure it was quite shocking to, to Chris Drury and to Gerard mm-hmm. Gallant and to a lot of the guys in the room that, that the team that had shown so much ability to, to rally back, you know, winning so many games coming from behind or just kind of keeping that same even keel for such an inexperienced group for the most mm-hmm. part that they just seem to lose, lose all their patience and all their composure. Um, and uh, and not really do any of the things that that had made them so successful during the year. So uh, yeah. you know, if they're going back there, it's obviously <laughs> you know the the main focus is be smart, play smart, play mm-hmm. the way that they know that they can play. Um, they'll have won a game five, so they'll be feeling a little bit better about themselves, and uh, you know, reminding themselves that the Penguins do have Sidney Crosby, who's still at 34, playing like one of the best players in the world. But beyond that, do they have anybody that scares them? No, and certainly not their third string goalie. So I feel like, uh, you know, if they're still alive in the series, they can remind themselves that uh, there was a reason that a lot of people were picking them to win this series in the first place. I'm not going to lie. I was really nervous how that question would go, but uh, that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was perfectly executed. Um, but on top of that, though, so let's say I don't want to be negative. Cody and I are both super positive. We both think it's going to game seven, but. If they do lose a series, which still we don't know, and this is the last time I'm going to harp on it, is the Before deadline. Before I harp on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are the deadline moves diminished, though? Because they could have made better moves toward their future. Had you know, If you went back and said, hey, you're going to lose in the first round, obviously the moves would be a lot different. Yeah, I, I don't think so. You know, I think um, you know, the, the Tyler Mott injury was, is real unfortunate, and I think mm-hmm. um, you know, this, has not been a, this has not been a series where the Rangers are losing things on the margins. They're they're not losing because they picked the wrong guy for the fourth line or, or things like that. These are, these are major core reasons why they fell behind so, so badly in this series. Um, so that, you know, maybe that's a decision you can make. And, and I think, you know, as you mentioned about my podcast, which recorded today, uh, we were talking about, you know, the, the one thing you can look back at the deadline and say uh, that I think everyone was saying at the time was you need a lefty defenseman. Yeah. They needed a guy like a Calvin DeHaan, Andy Green, anybody who plays the left side, who's got some experience and got some Sherrod. playoff experience. Yeah. You know, Sherrod was cost cost the Panthers a lot. I don't know if that was the, the big play you wanted to make, but Justin Braun was a nice addition and clearly an important one because he's had to step in with Ryan Lindgren out and done an okay job, which yeah. is what you'd expect from a guy like him. But uh, but I think the real failure was not finding not identifying really early on in the season that Patrick Nemeth is not a good fit on this top six. Here comes Cody. And, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get to that. That's a hot we will we will get to that. I think the, I think everybody who on this podcast, on my podcast, any Ranger podcast, could, any Ranger fan could see that this guy. 
was not really up to the task. And, uh, and I think he's really been, you know, on a, on a team that's had some pretty glaring uh, errors in this series, his mistakes have really stood out a lot. You know, I, I think game three, when it was tied, you know, he made a bad play going to play the puck in the corner and then he made an even worse play, not tying up Dan Heinen's stick. In fact, he deflected his stick so that Georgiev got fooled on the shot quite clearly. And, and it was change up that beat him. Um, and then the penalty he took, you know, when the Rangers were up one, nothing in game four, it's just, it's inexcusable. You can't do stuff like that. And there's no way for the Rangers to, to take him out of the lineup. It seems because they haven't let Libor Hayek play. They haven't let Zach Jones play to the point where they trust either of those guys. And going back to the deadline, your original question, they didn't go get a lefty defenseman, a veteran guy to supplant Nemeth. You know, the other, the other moves, Vetrano and Cop, I think, I don't know how you can second guess them. Those guys yeah, were amazing. really good down the yeah. stretch. They both had a couple of decent moments. I think Cop more so than Vetrano in this playoff series. And really the big, the big costly one was Cop. And I think that will be worth it because there really is a decision to be made now for, for Chris Jury, whether the mm-hmm. series, you know, whether the season is over or not. Uh, do we sign this guy or do we sign Ryan Strom or do we go for what's behind door number three? And to my mind, if you're going with you know what you know, which is usually the safest route, I'm I'm betting on Andrew Cop as mm-hmm. as as your whether he's the number two center or a wing, if there's someone that can they can find a slot in there, or if he's just he's another versatile guy who plays the way that this team needs to play. And he's not doing it enough, I think, this series, but that's on everybody. Um, but I think this is a guy who, if he plays the full year on a line with Artemi Panarin, could be a 30-goal, 60-point guy. He's a guy who kills penalties. He can play on the power play if you need to. Um, I think this guy is just scratching the surface of what kind of player he can be. And, you know, he's, he's captain material, not that he's going to step in front of anybody that's been here a long time, but... Mm-hmm. But I think he's he's the sort of, you know, high character guy uh, steps up, answers questions when you ask him, you know, he doesn't shy away from that sort of stuff. I think I think that, you know, Ryan Strom is has a lot of the similar characteristics. But I think if you're just looking on the ice chemistry uh, importance to to a core that needs to be uh, developed a little bit more, um, I think you go with Andrew Cobb. So obviously that trade to me is, is going to be worth it 10 times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned some really good points there. Uh, Johnny knows where I stand on that. I'm, I'm right with you with cop. I think he's <laughs> I'm a strong uh, guy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think he's it's still, a, a, it's still a, to- it's still a toss up. I think, you know, I think Ryan yeah. Strom brings a lot to the table. I think he's, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And you know what? I, I just wanted to walk it back a little cause you, you made some really good points and uh, back to expectations I think everybody can agree coming into this season, our expectation was just to make playoffs. And then, you know, clearly our team overperformed everybody's and surpassed everybody's expectations. So to change, you know, the expectation from making playoffs to winning around, I think was everybody's kind of mentality, but I don't think it's necessarily fair on the team. Obviously I would love to win the series and, and, you know, come back and win, but Um, So I agree with you on that point, but the things that have really stood out to me, especially in games three and four, I mean, I think we just need to play harder, better hockey, be faster off the draw. I feel like we're getting beat on face-offs and then, you know, racing towards the puck and really just be stronger on the forecheck. Um, I feel like I, 
I feel like I just quoted Kanye West, better, faster, stronger. But um, but anyways, <laughs> I was wondering where you got that from. <laughs> but but uh, but anyways, I thought they completely overmatched Pittsburgh when when they're really heavy on the forecheck, like they were in game two, as well as in that first period in game one. So if they can figure out a way to to kind of just get back to their roots there, and I'm sure Gigi had a, a long talking to them. I think they can, uh, you know, really just have that one game at a time mentality, and then. And then kind of take it from there. But uh, you did mention Nemeth. So, you know, <laughs> I, had, I, I have to bring up Nemeth. Trigger so, word. <laughs> yeah, trigger word. So he, <laughs> you said it. I mean, he's he's quite frankly had a pretty brutal series. Um, so I guess my question to you is at this point in time, do you think a buyout this summer is a very, very realistic possibility? Uh, knowing, you know, the team's uh, cap restricted and so on. You know, I think they could try. I don't know, you know. I don't know if that's the first route you try, you know, there's, there's still a couple teams out there that that'll take on a bad contract for a year or two. If you throw in a, a second round pick say, so that may have to be the way that they go and, and kind of bite the bullet on that. But um, you know, they're headed in this direction where they're not going to make the conference finals and that, and, and that second round pick and the Andrew cop deal doesn't become a first. And you obviously don't have one of those second round picks. So right. um you know, I it's it's going to be a difficult offseason for Chris Jury just because of the cap constraints. I don't think you can get, like you said, you you know, the expectations were a little different when the season started as to when they were when you finished. And certainly in the matchup with Pittsburgh, a team that they played very well during the regular season, a team that we just elaborated on is not really outside of 87, doesn't really scare you a whole lot, certainly not with their third string goalie in. I think the thing that this series has highlighted that maybe something is a concern going forward is, you know, in the Eastern Conference, Carolina, Tampa, Pittsburgh, you know, the Islanders drop out now because we don't know who their coach is going to be. But mm-hmm. but these these are teams with high, high level coaches. You know, Mike right. Sullivan, Mike Sullivan to me is uh, it's astonishing. This guy is one of Jack Adams with the roster that he has there that they keep putting out. And now that, you know, mm-hmm. look, now they're playing well. Rod Brindamore has Carolina playing at a high pace. And that's a team that, that gave the, the Rangers a lot of trouble yeah. uh, th- in their matchups this season. Tampa is, you know, John Cooper's, uh, you know, been doing this a long time. Um, you know, Gallant's strength is not X's and O's and systems. And I think you're seeing that, especially in game four, right. you know, set, set plays off of faceoffs. The Rangers are not, you know, I mean, you can lose a draw and still not lose your positioning. Yeah. Uh, and the Rangers yeah. are not good, have not been good on faceoffs for a long time. And clearly it, it hasn't hurt them being the second best defensive team in the league in the regular season. And in that game, particularly, they, they looked like amateurs. You know, they looked like they had no idea what was coming. You know, Pittsburgh had a million set plays to get them moving in different directions. And it all seemed to work for Pittsburgh. So that to me is a little bit of a concern going forward that, that the structure that the Rangers had put in and built up all season long just you know evaporated under a little bit of a little bit of pushback uh yeah. in, a, in a tough series so you know i i think and that's something that falls on gallant and mike kelly and gord murphy where you know they've they, if they accentuate a lot of the mental side over the the detail systems x's and o's um you're still in the eastern conference you're gonna have to get through a gauntlet of teams that are very detailed and very good at x's and o's so mm-hmm. um you know, that's something put in the back of your mind to think about when the Rangers come back uh, next season, if they can, if they can duplicate what they did this season, you still, still got to be able to have six. that. 
still could be a game six. And, you know, <laughs> by the, by the looks of things, uh, we don't know what's, what's happened, you know, between now and we're recording and, and mm-hmm. when it comes out, but, uh, if it's Carolina, uh, next round, you know, uh, and the Rangers can get there, tough task. that's yeah. a tough one, especially what, how deep the Rangers are going to have to dig to win three straight against Pittsburgh, how good right. Penguins are feeling about themselves. So, right. um, just overall, the point is, this is a conference where, you know, there's a razor thin margin between some of these teams. And you may you may need that coach who's incredibly detailed and a team that's receptive to those details. And I think if there's one long term takeaway from this playoff series, if if it ends badly for the Rangers, is that uh, the details need to be a lot better for this team and, and drilled in a lot harder starting next training camp. Right. So, you know, speaking of next season and and uh, some of our rentals that we had talked about earlier, I, I mean, it's it's obviously it's pretty obvious we're going to lose a few of our rentals this offseason, um, as, of course, this season seemed like an all out push to try and make a deep run, at least. Do you think there's any scenario where next year's team can end up better than this year's team, even without a few of our be uh, our, our big you know contributors coming back? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think if they let's say, you know, it's hard to game it out, but if it's if it's cop that they bring back and you lose Strom and you lose Vetrano and you lose Mott probably, mm-hmm. um, because those Vetrano and Mott are probably guys that are due for raises and there's just not enough room, clearly. I so <laughs> I don't even know if that creates enough room for you. But if everybody else is back, yeah, I think so, because you still have a lot of room to grow for mm-hmm. for some of these young guys. You know, I think that top four is going to be a little bit reimagined next season. You know, are you, are you going to see Miller and Truba be the, the, the true top pair as they are, as they have been for a little while in the regular season and into this playoff series, you know, Ryan Lindgren's injury obviously changes the, the calculus, but, but, you know, are you going to end up with a, with a Norris trophy winning guy who's still 25 years old being your, you know, your second pair defense guy and Adam Fox. And that's, that's an incredible luxury. And obviously Braden Schneider is going to, you know, has this pretty much this whole year under his belt. He's a guy that every time I'm in a building with some with, with scouts or whoever, people that I know around the league, you know, they talk about Keandre Miller, but they all talk about Braden Schneider and how much they love his mm-hmm. game. And mm-hmm. this is a guy who, you know, is going to create some interesting decisions for them down the road. Uh, you know, within a couple of years when his contract, his entry level contract is up, obviously Fox is locked up. Truba is locked up. So Schneider's going to stay on that third pair. But I think next season, if you see some minutes that are distributed a little bit more evenly, if that includes a Nemeth buyout or at least making him the, the number seven guy uh, and you bring in someone, or maybe even you see Ryan Lindgren uh, get moved if he's, you know, and they bring in somebody who's a little bit more, a little bit more durable, a little bit more veteran guy on the left side. Um, you know, I think I see Johnny eye rolling. <laughs> I mean, Lindgren's a warrior, and it's and it sucks that he's that he's been hurt. And I'm clearly it's a, Yeah, it's clearly it's a bad injury because this is a guy who plays through yeah. a ton of stuff. So yeah, um, you know, I just think that this decor with Miller, Truba, Fox, Schneider. You know, when you've got that right side completely locked down. You know, I, I covered the Islanders for a long time and they're widely considered to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. And they have Pelic and Pollock and Noah Dobson and Scott Mayfield guys that <laughs> people are envious of. And there's some of their contracts are really good. Uh, the Rangers can have that. The Rangers yeah. can have that same sort of decor that's together for a long time. They're not going to play defense the same way the Islanders do, but I think just having that reliability 
and the guys with this kind of experience, uh, not just the playoffs, you don't need a deep run. You just need to be there once and, and mm-hmm. go through it and say, we did it. We know what it's like. We know what we have to do better. Build a winner's um, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously they're set in goal. You know, they, they need to get a backup uh, for next season, but there'll be lots of those guys available. And, and Shesterkin, I think, is not the kind of guy who's just going to sit on his laurels after winning yeah. a Vezina. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to he's going to come back and be determined to be as good as he was this past year. And maybe he can be that guy that can be a 930 save percentage guy every year. And that puts you at a huge advantage when you've got those cornerstone pieces. You can play around a little bit with the forwards. Um, and like we were saying off the top, Lafreniere and Kako, if you can plug those guys in to those top six roles that they played at times during the season, you've got your top six set and then you've got Barkley Goodrow and your bottom six and a few other, you know, whether Kevin Rooney comes back or not, you can, you can play around with that bottom six and find whether it's some younger guys that are coming up through the system. Um, you know, you, you, the, the Maple Leafs are not a team you want to emulate in any way when it comes to playoff time, obviously, but <laughs> the roster building part for the Leafs where they find European free agents or, you know, guys like Colin Blackwell that they traded mm-hmm. for at the deadline is filling a four, you know, yeah, if, you your, if you have your, if you have your, if you're set down the middle in your top six with the, with the talent, the Rangers have defense, especially with four or five guys in goal. Um, yeah, they can, they can be better. And I think <clears throat> more importantly, they'll know that, uh, you know, I think which teams do need to learn whether it was Tampa uh, or the Islander teams that I covered, the regular season is important. You obviously have to get there, and it's not easy to get in that top eight. And once, if you're out of it, it's even harder to get back in, especially if you start the season slow. Mm-hmm. But the priority is really to be healthy and focused, mentally prepared for what comes this time of year. And uh, and that's maybe the lesson that they'll take away the most from, from this playoff run, however long it goes. So I'm very curious into how close you pay attention to Rangers Twitter. <laughs> Uh, I was steeped in Isles Twitter for a long time. And I know, that, and, uh-huh. and that was that was a damaging experience. So I, don't, <laughs> I think I've I think I've pulled the reins in on Twitter a little bit in terms of you know there's certain certainly guys that I follow that are fans that I try to get the get a sense of what people are talking about, but uh, but I'm not fully fully immersed in it yet. So have you seen uh, some of these ridiculous comments though about like like I like listen I obviously Igor hasn't been at the top of this game, but the fact that there are people like blaming Igor when the Rangers basically ranked 16th in the playoffs in like every defensive category. And then, you know, I know you touched on it on your podcast today about just the X's and O's with Gallant versus Sullivan. And sure, Gallant maybe Sitting hasn't made the coach. best. But but Cody, you were like, Cody was freaking out that Gallant pulled the goalie with like two and a half minutes left in game three. And the yeah, Panthers like did it. The Panthers did it the other night. It worked for them. It's just like a common, you kind of got to read the situation. And I thought it was a good decision. But yeah, but the caps, the caps weren't in the Panthers zone for seven straight minutes before pulling the goalie. <laughs> But either way, Arthur, I just wanted to ask you, like, I, I mean, is the the hate or not hate, but is the blame that's being put on Igor and Gallant justified? I mean, it's it's Igor's first real playoff series and it's Gallant's first year with this team. Like he doesn't know he doesn't know them yet that well in order to, you know, see what they need to do best in order to succeed in the playoffs. Like he's figuring it out also as he goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, fans are the best, you know, the, the reason that, <laughs> that we have people watching this, that I have yeah. a job for all the years that I've had it. So I'm never going to tell any fans to not, you know, calm down. Yeah. Don't be upset. I think that's crazy when writers do stuff like that. Cause we wouldn't be here if they yeah. weren't so, so insane and intense about it. It's great. It's a great um, idea to start Kincaid in game five. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think at this, you know, people just kind of lash out They're they're they're, 
you know, venting their frustration. It's been a very frustrating playoff run. You know, it, mm. no one could have possibly seen coming what happened in Pittsburgh. No one. And, yeah. and if somebody says like, Oh, you know, I knew the penguins like that's nonsense. There's no way. Everyone uh, picked know. the Rangers to win the series. I feel like every right. single person I mean, that covers were, even any, anybody who picked the penguins picked it to be a long series. Nobody, yeah. nobody thought that they would run them over like this. Like, you know, Sid can be as great as he can be. Uh, and he has been great, but, you know, Malkin hasn't has barely hurt them. You know, he scored the triple overtime goal, but Gensel. has he done has oh. he done anything else? Gensel, yeah, that one line has been really good. But yeah. you know, could anybody have seen Evan Rodriguez killing them in Game Three or Jeff Carter, who's you know thirty seven years old? It, the frustration. I I called Jeff Carter yeah, as their X factor <laughs> a few weeks ago. I said Jeff Carter's their one guy who's going to be their X factor. <laughs> And he was, you know, last year in the when the Islanders played them, he was their best forward by a long way because you have to pick your poison with the Penguins. If you're going to shut down Crosby's line or shut down Malkin's line, obviously they have a third line and, and Carter's a, a big game player. So, um, but this is not, you know, this is not a series where you can blame Ranger fans for buying into the hype or believing me with my terrible predictions or any uh, any dozens of other pundits or or people in the game everybody i talked to you know i did a i did a piece where i that i do every playoffs where i talk to people i know in the game a couple assistant coaches um a couple of scouts a couple of assistant gms and nobody picked the penguins they all thought it was going to be a route for the rangers so this is mm-hmm. I, I i'm not going to fault any ranger fan for feeling incredibly frustrated by this because on paper everybody saw this as a completely lopsided matchup and yeah. and i think you know, if we're talking right now and there's people watching this and it's over and it was over in five games. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, you know, I probably have written something that says this is, this is a huge failure. It doesn't matter. The expectations were low. It doesn't matter that this is a, still a young team. This was a beatable penguins team. So you can, people can vent all they want. <laughs> I think it's totally, totally yeah. justified. This is not the Rangers sneaking into the playoffs and playing Tampa at their best or playing Carolina at their best or, you know, like in the Western conference where Nashville snuck in without their goalie and played and moves total mismatch. Mm -hmm. This is a winnable series and it doesn't matter. Throw all the rest of the stuff out the window about their inexperience, this or that. This is a series the Rangers needed to win and, Mm -hmm. and should, should be winning. You know, even if they're still alive, they should be winning. (laughs) I think, and I think that's that maybe that's, you know, it's certainly in the fans heads. I have to believe it's in their heads a little bit too, yeah. that he got a little, they got a little fat and happy thinking like, Oh, okay. It's third string goalie. We just need to put a few pucks on them. And the penguins are defending like crazy the way the Rangers should be defending like crazy, mm-hmm. even though they have their resident winning goalie in net, because if you don't defend that way in the playoffs, it just snowballs on you. So um, yeah, I think the, the frustration uh, is definitely palpable. I sense it from Ranger fans. Certainly, you know, we're up to we get up to like two, three hundred comments on each of my uh, stories that post on the Athletic. <laughs> there's a lot of finger pointing going yeah. around in those comments, yeah. uh, and it's totally, I totally get it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really, really surprising that that they fell into the hole that they fell into. I, I completely agree, and it's funny because that it you, you mentioned, you know, it's not Tampa, and and that's kind of my mentality too, which is why I have like the slightest sliver of hope that this series (laughs) still is winnable if you just take it, you know, game at a time mentality. But uh, you had mentioned one thing the Rangers can take away. And one thing I think they could really take away from this is, and you mentioned it is really just to gain the experience and grow as a team. I think one thing that we can all agree is always consistent 
uh, is, you know, to learn how to be a winner is having that winner's mentality, but you need to understand that, that feeling of losing first. And, you know, I'm not an NBA guy at all. Johnny (laughs) knows, but, um, I love the NBA. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, LeBron lost for years before he won his first championship. I think he was like 26 years old. So, you know, he lost a heck of a lot before he grew into that winner's mentality. Um, but the thing I feel like he stayed consistent with is you could always tell and, and still to this day that he's incredibly hungry and, the Rangers just need to learn from this type of experience. And it, it, it seems like they've gotten away from that hunger in games three and four, where they really showed that they were hungry in one and two, even though they lost game one, I thought they, you know, it was a coin flip. It was a coin mm. flip. And, and I think, uh, you know, if they want to win this series, they really, or, or unless the series is over, of course, but um, they need to kind of find that hunger <laughs> and, and, and move from there. But yeah, that's, that's my rant. I can't believe you just pulled that a LeBron, a LeBron comment. You like that? You no, like he that. joined I get, I Chris, he, he joined Dwayne Wayne and Chris Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> that helped too. The one. Uh, but I, th- I think, you know, the, the other thing to remember too, and, and, you know, when you're looking at, at part of the reason, you know, Patrick Nemeth has been bad. He's not, <laughs> not the main reason they were down three, one. Right. Um, some of the failures are the guys that you expected to, you know, that have been in the playoffs before, whether it's Mika Zibanejad, who I don't think has been as bad as people make it out to be. He's, yeah. he's definitely lost a lot of face-offs and lost some ice to, to Crosby. But, um, you know, I think about it, he probably had about 10 grade A scoring chances that didn't go in in the first three mm-hmm. games. So, yeah. um, but I think about guys like Panarin and guys like Kreider, who I don't think have really stepped forward. Kreider in particular to me has been a bit of a surprise given the season that he's had and, Right. The maturity that he seems to show now 10 years in that that he's a leader on this team and he's the longest tenured guy. And and I would have thought that he would have really been one of the hungrier guys. And it seems like he's been a little too easily pushed out of the fight uh, in the first, at least in the first four games. We don't know what happened in game five. But, you know, I think in the salary cap world and particularly in the the cap mess that the Rangers are about to go into in the offseason, whenever that comes, Every playoff series, no matter what the expectations are, no matter what the matchup is, every playoff series is a referendum for every guy on the roster. Because mm-hmm. whether you're Patrick Nemeth and you're debating whether you're going to buy him out or trade yeah. him, I mean, his his fate seems to be sealed if you're a practical thinking person that he's not a good fit on a team that's got six good defensemen. His but, exit meeting won't be pretty. <laughs> no, but if you're if you're going cop versus Strom, like every game is, is you're, there's some sort of evaluation on, on one of these two guys. Cause you'd probably, you know, unless eight other things happen, you're not keeping them both. You know, Panarin obviously seems pretty immovable. Kreider's pretty immovable, but you'd be surprised at how many other guys might draw some interest if you suddenly sour on them a little bit, or if you decide, you know, like Philip Heedle, I think is a guy who needed to have a big series and he's been okay. I think his line mates have been a lot better than he has, but, mm-hmm. um, but he's a guy going into the last year of his deal, uh, still a young guy, still kind of a conundrum. Nobody can figure out why this guy is still a 20 point player with all the skills that he has. So I feel like that's, you know, that's where whether you're a 24 year old guy who's never been in the playoffs or you're a 30 year old guy who's coming to the end of your contract or a 28 year old guy who's got seven years left. You got to look in the mirror because every off season in the salary cap world, things change and you just need to look at, some of these other teams, you know, I think when we get through the first round, uh, you're going to see some teams do what the Islanders did. They're just going to surprise people by firing a coach or making a big trade as we get towards the draft um, to change things up because you, you only have a limited amount of space to just go to 
July, whatever it is, 13th this year and say, we'll buy a couple new guys. Like those days are over. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta make sure you make your decisions and make them in a strong way. So all these games matter. And I feel like that to me is, is another thing you put in the disappointment column is that there are guys who should be understanding that nothing is assured with this team, even though they've helped kind of dig out from five pretty lousy years. Uh, and they can all say they were part of a team that was almost one of the best regular season teams in franchise history and guys hit some incredible milestones, but um, you know, you lose a hard fought seven game series. That's one thing, but, but you fall behind and you trip over yourselves the way that they yeah. did in two straight. Um, that yeah. That's a look in the mirror time. And I think Chris jury is probably not a GM who's afraid to say that to, to, to certain guys when the season is over in those exit meetings that, you know, like we expect a lot from you whoever that veteran is or whoever that young guy is. And we have a lot of decisions to make now. So nothing is assured. Mm-hmm. $8.5 million contract. Cough, cough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you cool with one more question each, Arthur? I know we're yeah, sure. going along here. Do you want to go first, Cody? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, be careful how you answer this because this is strictly <laughs> for my Twitter following. I love, you know, stirring the pie a little bit with, uh, you know, Devils fans, Islanders fans, Ranger fans. You know, as it is right now, I feel like this is the first time in my lifetime where all three teams are kind of on the same level playing field, right? Like the Islanders fire Barry Trotz and all of a sudden they don't seem as, you know, uh, picked to win the Stanley Cup. You know, this year, a lot of people predict them to win the Cup and, you know, next year the Devils are going to have the second overall pick and they're going to have a young upcoming team with a lot of offensive talent. They just need a goalie and they could be a playoff team possibly in the next, you know, year or two. And then the Rangers now, you know, Sure, they're a playoff team, but are they really a legit playoff team yet? That is unknown. So, um, you know, next season, I feel like is the first time where all three teams maybe have a chance to make some noise, uh, you know, in the same kind of point range, whatever that may be. But which franchise do you think out of the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, do you think wins the Stanley Cup first? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that was a long way I to thought... ask that question. I'm sorry about that. No, no, I understand. <laughs> uh, I'd say the Rangers are closest just because. Mm-hmm they have the best goalie, you know, mm-hmm. I, it feels like you have that, that base in net and the, the young guys on D that I described, you know, I, I, the Islanders window is, is pretty tight right now. They, mm-hmm. you know, they have Igor's best buddy in the NHL and Ilya Sorokin. And, and he's, you know, if uh, Shesterkin is a hundred on the EA, you know, NHL rankings, <laughs> Sor- Sorokin's about a 97, like these guys are neck and neck. And I think mm-hmm. it's awesome that two guys who basically grew up together, in the in the Russian system and we're battling in the two rivalry teams in the KHL are now doing it again in the NHL it's such a it's such a it's a tough story to write because the mm-hmm. way the world is now and and the way the you know the NHL has been in terms of access and things like that mm-hmm. the last couple of years but it's it's pretty neat that they're going to be there kind of anchoring those two teams for a long time so um, the Islanders do have a good young goalie they have some good young pieces but I just think you know, whatever is to come for them, uh, they need to hit the accelerator. And I'm not sure that they can do it given again, some cap constraints and uh, some decisions they have to make. And the devils to me, they have some really good young pieces, but they kind of remind me of the Oilers when, Mm -hmm. when McDavid, you know, when they were kind of cycling through their number one picks and just sort of fumbling around every other aspect of their organization. Um, The devils just seem really, dysfunctional to me they have they do have some incredible talent and if they can go out and get a goalie i wouldn't be surprised if it's alexander georgiev next Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. um he seems like a guy who could you know a guy who needs to prove himself the rest of that program needs to prove itself from top to bottom so 
that would be kind of fun if it's Georgiev there. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a guy who can hold a grudge pretty well. He's uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty intense guy. And I think he's, he's felt a little bit bitter about his place in the, in the Rangers hierarchy for the last couple of years. So uh, if he's goes to one of their local rivals, that would be pretty fun to see. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be fun if he, if he stands out, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I just feel like of the three teams, the Rangers, not just because of the season they've had, they've had, but I think that, you know, they have higher end skill. And I think the other two teams, they have mm-hmm. a better base of young guys than the other two teams and they have the best goalie among the three teams. So to me, that puts them a little bit ahead, but, um, but yeah, like I said, you know, a lot can change. If the Rangers get off to, a slow start next year and they're they're below the cut line when you get to November all bets are off I mean you saw everybody saw what happened to the Islanders and obviously there were some extenuating circumstances with their building not being ready the long road trip they played through COVID but uh but when you fall behind by six or eight points by Thanksgiving uh it's nearly impossible to get back into it especially that you know in the east now where those the top eight teams were all so good all year mm-hmm. long so you know, I think those first couple of months next season are going to be really crucial for the Rangers to keep the momentum going from what they did, you know, regardless of what they do this offseason. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good question. And I would love to see it. You know, all the years that I covered the Islanders, I was mm-hmm. I was hoping for an Islander Ranger series because I think young guys like yourselves and, and fans of a certain age just have, you know, it's been 20 years. It's we you know, haven't seen it in so long right. and it's so it really is the thing that cements a rivalry is to be able to play a playoff series you know the 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 buildings in both te- when both teams have been good uh you know through a couple stretches of the rangers run from 2012 to 17 when the islanders had some good runs and made the playoffs a few times there are a couple near misses and i feel mm-hmm. like the rivalries kind of went a little bit to the side the you know islanders the penguins played a lot Rangers and Penguins played a lot. They both played the Capitals a few times, but never each other. And it, and it feels like there's certain fans that that kind of feel like the Penguins are the team to hate the most. And it's just like, it should always be the Islanders if you're a Ranger fan. And, and the playoffs really are the thing that makes that the most fun. I've always wanted that to happen, but now that we have Igor versus uh, Ilya Sorokin, I don't want it to happen because if God forbid the Islanders win, we're never going to hear the end of it. Because there's already people saying now, like I had people tweeting at me last night, like if the Rangers had Sorokin, I bet they'd be up three to one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and also I, I agree with you, Arthur, because we do have Alexi Lafreniere and Keandre Miller, and those guys can still turn into superstars. I mean, you don't really know quite what you have with either of them yet, and I think they're going to continue to get better and better. All right, I think I think my last question is going to be, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. So Brennan Offman is a guy I look at who really has all the makings of a star. Um, I assume they're really going to take their time with him based on how we've seen some of our top-end young forwards develop a little slower than we'd ultimately like them to in the past. So when do you think will be the right time for him to get a real crack at our roster and is next season a possibility? I'm sure it is a possibility. You know, I think you, you get the the number of essentially lottery tickets they have with some of these prospects. And, and I think, you know, among NHL teams, I don't know that there's, there's a franchise that's had a, a better season for the, for the bulk of their prospects than the Rangers have. It's Othman, it's Ryder Korchak, who's maybe not a, as high end a prospect. It's mm-hmm. Will Cooley, who Cooley. I think is a guy, yeah. I think is a guy that you could plug right into that uh, a third or fourth line winger role. And maybe he's a guy that's just because of the roles is a little bit ahead of Othman. If Othman is projects more as a top six guy, obviously that's, that's going to be a harder, a harder spot to crack just because the Rangers are so loaded up top. Um, you know, Brett Berard is a guy, I don't know if he's going to come out yeah, of college, but, uh, 
but it's a, it's a guy that I think is on the radar too. And, and obviously in net, you've got Dylan Garand, who's maybe, you know, one of the one or two best goalies in, in Canadian juniors. Off right if now. he ever comes back. Crafts <laughs> off. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the ship has sailed on that one, but I think it's uh, sailed. I think it's docked in a different country. If it's sailed, at least there's a chance to get something back for him. So, yeah. uh, you know, because you want to, you're going to have to give up some assets maybe if you want to unload Nemeth. So you want to be able to bring back some assets. So it's all, you know, that chess game is going to happen soon enough. But, um, but I think as far as Othman goes, yeah, if he starts in, in Hartford, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, he's going to get his chance. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, maybe not next season, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I think if you're looking at this, team through the last few years uh and if there's any sort of failing that they've had it's have you know have they rushed some of their young guys maybe the crafts off situation doesn't happen if he stays in russia a little bit longer and they're not so eager to have him over here and playing in the minors and all of the stuff that happened after that leas anderson similar situation um so i think patience is going to be important with these guys and and when you have a, a you know a big club that's going well and producing and performing well I think younger players can accept a little bit more that, that there is a waiting period. You know, you're not just going to jump the front of the line. And I think, you know, getting back to what Johnny was saying about the devils, you know, there's no structure in that organization. They have some good guys in, in Utica. Utica is a good, you know, a really good AHL team, but, you know, have, have some of their guys really progressed that went straight to the NHL. Are they, are they doing things to make that franchise better? Like, no, it hasn't happened yet. Even as guys talented as Jack Hughes just hasn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, move the needle as far as them being a better team. So, right. Um, you know, I think Othman, yeah, he's, you know, there's a lot of people in the organization that are super excited about him and what he has to offer. And it's incredibly important to get guys in on their entry-level deals, especially right. with a couple of years to go on their entry-level deals and, and have them be regulars because you need the flexibility. Um, you know, I think, to my mind, and things can change obviously with training camp, but to my mind, Cooley is that guy that's going to supplant a veteran and give them a chance to move some bodies out or at least not have to feel like they got to go out and sign somebody to fill a role uh, beyond some of their big ticket guys. But but they do have a, uh, a pretty deep bench and and that excitement level is pretty is pretty high. And also you've got <clears throat> you've got some chips to work with, you know, if right. if you if you feel like you need to there's something that's missing uh, if you weren't able to sign, you know, if they didn't dump Patrick Nemeth or they did dump Patrick <laughs> Nemeth and they, there was nobody that they signed to replace him. You have a few prospects now to, to move around and, and you know, a, a guy like Garan, Igor Shosturkin seems like he's going to be the guy for a long time. So Garand is, is a really right. nice trade trade chip to have uh, for a franchise that might be looking for a, a good young goalie. So, um, you know, this, uh, even if they don't, you don't see any of these guys in the lineup on opening night uh, next October, uh, just the fact that you have all these guys is, is a huge benefit to the organization. Yeah, and Cooley really interests me because he was a guy. I he had over forty goals, right? He was he was something yeah. like that, and and it's it, it's interesting because the Rangers look at him as you know a top nine guy or bottom six guy, and it's it's like it's it's going to be an interesting take on it because he's a guy who who might come in there on the third line and might end up being a third line scorer, and we haven't really seen that, so it, it should be interesting to play out. And and yeah, those are some good points. Can Cooley, play, can, can Cooley play six, six defenseman lefty? <laughs> he is a lefty. That is important. <laughs> Swap something. Brent hit. We'll, we'll, uh, Brendan Smith him. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I think we do got to finish though with the time capsule question. We'll see how well this ages. What's your game five prediction? Uh, I think they win. You know, I mm-hmm. think I think you're going to be reminded that this is not, you know, this is not the 2017 Penguins. Um, they're still playing a third string goalie who's in, you know in his 30s and has been in the AHL a long time. Um, you got to just be able to to test him to overcome that and and be you know play downhill. You know, stop with the East West stuff. I think they know that they can do it. Um, yep. And, uh, and really, you know, there have been stretches, even in the middle of those two incredibly awful games in Pittsburgh, there were long stretches where the Rangers controlled play. The first yeah. 10 minutes of the first period, they were dominating. And when they got that goal, that was not a great goal that Domingue gave up that Lafreniere scored. They yeah. could have very easily made it 2-0. Um, Nemeth takes the bad penalty. That kind of stunted <laughs> them. Yeah. Uh, and then in game, you know, arguably in game three, even at four, one, I was thinking they're not playing this bad. There's just, you know, they're, they're farting around on their own end. And there's been a couple mistakes. Igor hasn't been good. They put Georgiev in. He was fantastic. I thought in that game and they totally dominated in the second period. And then two power plays early in the third Domingue did make some good saves. Yeah. Um, but if they score on one of those power plays, it could be eight or nine, four Rangers in that game legitimately. So, um, I think they just, you know, the crowd is going to be, is going to, you know, will have been rocking, I'm sure. And uh, so I feel like there's going to be a game six. And, you know, after that, like you said, who knows? You, you, yeah. you score, you score five or six on this guy and remind yourself like, oh, okay, this is, a, there's a reason that we were a team that was favored. Our big guys just got to score, I think is what it comes down to. You know, hey, anybody, do. take anybody. Yeah. 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 We will take anybody. That's, that's right. But uh, Arthur, thank you so much. This was awesome. I hate to be that guy. I just want to ask one more follow. Here we here we I go. Know. Oh my god. Well, if there is game six, if you're a Penguins guy, do you start Jari or not? Uh, yeah, I think whenever he's ready, yeah. you put him in there. That's okay. that's that's been their guy. You know, it's the same same reason that after game four, Gallant didn't hesitate to say Igor's yeah. our guy. Yeah. You, know, you have your guy, your number one guy. That's who you're most comfortable with all season long. You go with him. I promise that's the last question. <laughs> all right, Arthur. Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Really fun. Appreciate it. We really want to thank Arthur Staple once again for joining the show. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. A super knowledgeable guy, loves the game. Um, just really interesting to hear his perspective on the whole series and just the future of the Rangers. But we should preview game six. It's Friday night. Um, I think it's at 7 o'clock. Let me just double check that quick. It's got to be at 7 o'clock. Friday night at 7 o'clock, confirmed. So, Cody, uh, what is the storyline? What are you looking for? What's your expectation? First storyline is Johnny and I will be at the bar. Um, we don't know which <laughs> we don't know which yet, but we will, but we, we will, will be tell drinking everyone and yeah. come hanging out with us. We'd love to, uh, you know, share a beer and watch. And the then it's boys. a boys not out. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, game six, man, like in Pittsburgh, it's going to be tough. Uh, the, the guys need to be resilient. They've been resilient all year long. It, it's, it's really is crazy because, you know, our slogan is no quit in New York. And like, this team really doesn't quit. It's like kind of crazy. Like a, a lot of teams will have their slogans and you're just like, yeah, whatever it's for this team literally does not quit. And I am for one, I'm very proud of them because they were like down in the dumps and they could have just folded over tonight and they did not. And you know, that's, that's something to say about them. It's, it's also something to say about Gallant because you know, he got out coached the first couple games, like in the last two games, for sure. Like he's been out coached in this series. So you know, to get them right back on track, I think is huge. And, you know, it, it's something to say about 
the mentality of this team and, and hopefully they can keep it going forward. Uh, I think the biggest keys to victory coming into game six is you need to lock down Gensel. Mm -hmm. You need to continue to be effective on the penalty kill. Like that is so important. You or need to stay to, out of the box yeah, or, or stay out of the box, <laughs> yeah. but clearly that's clearly that's like not a not thing possible. for us anymore. Yeah. So like minimum two to three a game. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I think those are like the two things to me. I mean, if Crosby's there, then yeah, of course he's another factor that you need to take care of, but like take care of Gensel and stay out of the box and just play aggressive, like play aggressive, keep playing aggressive and keep testing to Cause he's, he's been fine. But like when he's tested, he's not as good as, you know, a top notch goalie is come playoffs. So like, well, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you there. I don't think we see Deming in game six. I mean, we talked to Arthur about it and Arthur says mm -hmm. they're starting Jari, which I I'd prefer at this. Point. But that's when he's back, though. Dude, I think he's, he's going to be back for game six. That's that was the report. You think so? Like, he's I, coming off a broken, honestly, he's bro, I'm happy. I'm happy for them to start Jari. I think that gives us Jari doesn't scare me one fucking bit. Not but then one again, bit. I wouldn't have thought the mink scared me. And here he is playing like Patrick raw, whatever. I'd rather have Jari coming off injury, getting yeah. thrown into the fire in this series than Deming, who's like shown that he can actually play and compete. I mean, not that the mink's listen, the mink's been fine, but he hasn't been good. Like his numbers no. are not good numbers. Ag agreed. I mean, he listen, dude, he hasn't been tested. That's the thing. Like he wasn't tested in the first, I don't know, bro, that Kreider, that glove save on that four on one. I was bugging out. You're saying today? Tonight, yeah. No, no, was... I'm saying, well, well, you cut me off. I was saying he hasn't been tested games two Sorry. through four. No, you're good. Like, he he wasn't tested in the last three games. Tonight was the first night he got tested. We put a ton of shots on net, and I think today's the first game of the series we outshot them. Like, yeah. we put so many shots on net today, and it was great, and clearly it works. So you need to keep doing that. And you know what? I'm going to give some props now to my boy, Philip Hito, who I give so much criticism. I was just going to say that. Because he said it's not going to work the way we've been doing it, and we need to start putting pucks on the net. And guess what? He scored his first goal. So game winner to you, Phil. Little little tap on the back because yeah. you know what? Like that's what I like to see. Yeah, no, that was great. You literally took it right out of my brain. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're here for. But I I'm excited, man. It's it's gonna be good. Like I'm happy. It's a series now, regardless of the outcome. Um, yeah. you know, and and I think if we just keep at it and and get back to like our roots and, and the one at a game, one game at a time mentality, like play physical hard on the fourth check and put pucks on net. Like we're going to win this game. I, ha I have no reason to believe that we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, the key to this game is the first 10 minutes of the game. Don't and want the them crazy. Score. The craziest part about all of it is Igor hasn't even been Igor yet. Like even today, like yeah. today he was really good, but he hasn't been Igor yet. Nope. So if he, if Igor comes out, like, see, ya. This, this is what we said. This is what, and, and, and Valakat basically just fucking my boy, Steve, who I met today. We, yeah, that out. was great. That was so awesome. You got to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was hanging with Valley. He wants to come on the pod. So we're going to figure something out. And then it was actually pretty funny because gravy was like, Oh, Steve, you do podcasts too. And he I was <laughs> like, yeah, this guy does it all. He was like, I want to join. I was like, Valley. Well, I was like, grapes. We'll have you on too, buddy. Like, yeah. Well, Did you we'll number? No, I didn't, but but he said he said he'll email me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He I mean, if we, email if we get Valley on, yeah, if we get Valley on, that you know, who knows? yeah. Well, he he said the guy, he said uh, the PR guy approved it, but just we'll get it. We will tease for you guys. We'll get yeah. Valley on this summer. So I've I've DM'd with him back and forth. He said he's down to come on. It's just timing, so we're gonna figure that out. And me and Graves are new best friends. Yeah, we're, we're like 
we're going we're, on a double date with them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited, but it no, it was great. They were they were great guys. I had like a 10 minute conversation with both of them, and it, it was actually really funny because I like met up with AG Castiglia for dinner, and right as I walked away, like to meet him a block away from me, Panarin and Keandre Miller oh, walked in front of him. Like, like they were, they were walking through the aisle, like this aisle to basically AJ was coming to me and Panarin and Keandre were going into the garden and they were walking down like a hallway. Yeah, and it was the, just, yeah. it was just AJ and them. He was telling me, but they were like surrounded by four cops. And, and yeah. he said that like, you know, he said, what up? And, and Keandre didn't even look, but he said Panarin gave a chuckle. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, it was good stuff. So what what's your uh, takeaways for or for game six, I guess? I was going to say, you know, Steve Valaket, I, I posted that video after game four saying like, all you need is one momentum change in the series and anything can happen mm-hmm. if you win game five. And then you just need Igor to steal a game here in game six because you know Pittsburgh's going to come out guns blazing. You got to have Igor have his best game in the series because in game seven, anything can happen. This has to be like, mm-hmm. I don't care if Igor is like amazing or decent in game seven. He's got, this has to be the game. This has to I be the game. Couldn't agree more. And it's funny because Steve seemed not worried at all. And he yeah. was like, Igor, you know, he's like, take it from a goalie. Like you've seen greatness. Like Igor is going to come out of his shell sooner or later. And like, if the boys keep sticking around, I mean, they're going to, you know, they could be dangerous if, if it comes down the stretch and, also, I did tell a uh, side note. I did tell Steve to give Hank a big hug for me and he said he nice. would. So that's cool. <laughs> also, like, honestly, I want to give us snaps, too, because I saw so many other like Ranger accounts and all these people like tweeting that we should start Georgie having game five and Igor's shit and all this stuff. And, and that and he just showed nope. he gave the, the prime reason why you got to stick with your guy. You always got to stick with your guy because even if the Rangers lost, it's a great learning lesson for him. And guess what? They won. Now he's feeling good. Even if they don't win game six, he has something to pat himself on the back with. Like anyone who just turned their back on Igor after the first four games. Like, like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I mean, this guy is literally winning the Vesna in a couple months or a couple weeks, whatever it is. I mean, he is the, he's the guy you got to rally behind. Hank in his first series ever, I think he went like zero and three with like yeah. an what was his save percentage like an eight forty or something yeah, like that. It yeah, it was good. horrible. So <laughs> you know he lost his first series. You grow, you learn, and you move on from there. But right now we're alive. Igor played really well tonight, outside of that one goal, and he made some incredible saves down the stretch, especially towards the end of the game. The crowd was loving him, and the one thing, honestly, I got to give some snaps as well for MSG tonight because and the fans because immediately from the start before the game before the puck even dropped they start an igor chant and yeah. that was awesome that's because awesome. building confidence back basically telling pittsburgh fans to you know go fuck themselves and you know keep doing what they do in their smelly city and we're coming for you in game six we're gonna get the win and we are gonna take it one game at a time take it a game seven and anything can happen in a game seven i i can't even follow that up that was the perfect way to end the episode. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back here on Monday or maybe Tuesday. We might record an episode. If there is a game seven, we're probably not going to record it Sunday because we're going to be at the game. So, you know, we'll keep you guys posted with that, but we will have another episode coming next week, whether it's Monday or Tuesday. Let's go Rangers. We believe in this team. Hopefully we'll see you guys at game seven. Let's go.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.